Let's join the worship center at Life Church, where the service is already in progress. This morning, we are going to cover an entire book of the Bible. <gasps> Don't get scared now. We're going to look at the life of Jonah. We all have Jonah moments. Moments where we are faced with a decision of obedience. Jonah was faced with many points a decision of whether to obey God's command or whether to go against his command. And we're going to look at his entire life and see what we can learn from the book of Jonah. Now, before y'all get too scared, Jonah's only four chapters. There aren't that many, and some of them are short. We can cover them all today. And then you can say that you studied a whole book of the Bible this morning. But I want us to read these scriptures and look at the life of Jonah and see what we can learn about obedience to God and obeying his commands. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And proclaim against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from being in the presence of the Lord as his prophet. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus, um, the most remote Phoenician trading places then known. And he paid the appointed fare and went down into the ship to go with him to Tarsus, from being in the presence of the Lord as his servant and his minister. So look at what happened. God gave Jonah a command. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go and tell the people they are making a mistake and they need to get their life right. And so Jonah hears the word of the Lord. And then what's the first thing Jonah does? He buys a one-way ticket in the opposite direction of the city God told him to go. Have you ever had times in your life where God has spoken to you and you know that God has specifically asked you to do something and your first reaction is to jump ship and go in the opposite direction? Jonah did that. The first thing after hearing the command of God, he got a one-way ticket to Tarshish, the most remote Phoenician city, trading place known at that time. So he paid the appointed fare, went down to the ship with them to get away from the presence of the Lord. He was running from God. But the Lord sent a great wind upon the sea, and there was a violent tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken. Then the mariners were all afraid, and each man cried to his own God. And they started casting the goods overboard to lighten the ship so that they wouldn't sink. Jonah had already gone down to the inner part of the ship and was laid down and was fast asleep. So here's Jonah running from God and okay with it, asleep on the boat. The captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? How in the world can you sleep in the middle of this mess? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us so we will not perish. And they each said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know whose account this evil has come upon us. So then they started pointing at each other and saying, Okay, let's cast lots and see whose fault this is. 
What happened? Whose fault is this mess? So, they cast the lot, and it fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Tell us, we pray you. Whose account has this evil come upon us? What is your occupation? Where did you come from? What's your country? What's your nationality? They're like, why in the world is this storm happening because of you? What did you do? And he said, I am a Hebrew, and I reverently fear and worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What have you done? For the men knew that he had fled from being in the presence of the Lord as his prophet and his servant, because he had told them. So here's Jonah. He hears the command of God. Go to Nineveh. Go proclaim. that, And go tell them to repent. Go tell them they've got to repent. They've got to change. And Jonah buys a ticket and runs. And he told the men that he was running from God. And then the storm came. And the ship was going to go under. And Jonah is stuck on the ship. They said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may subside and be calm for us? For the sea became even more violently tempestuous. And Jonah told them, Take me up, cast me into the sea, and the sea shall become calm for you. For I know that it's because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah knew what he had done. He knew that he had disobeyed the command of God. He knew that there were consequences for that disobedience. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring the ship to land. But they could not because it became more and more violent against him. You know, when we're trying to run from God, and we're trying to run from the things and the commands that he's called us to do, many times storms will come and problems will arise because we can't be running from God and get the blessings of God. We can't be running from God and expect God to bless our life and to do good for us. We can't be in disobedience to the commands of God and expect God to take care of us and provide for us. And so many times when we're running away from the commands of God, the storms of life will come even harder. And we can try to row against it. And these men, they didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. And so he was running from God. And so they tried to run against the storm. And they tried to even row harder to get up on the dry land. But their efforts were in vain. Why? Because Jonah was fighting the commands of God. And when we fight the commands of God, when we fight obedience to Him in our life, all the rowing, all the effort, all the work that we put in getting our life to safe shore is in vain because we are going away from God. We can't run from God and expect God to bless us and use us and take care of us. We can't run from Him and expect to get all of the benefits of being his child. 
But many people in the body of Christ are disobeying His commands, running from them, and rowing their ship as hard as they can, trying to make it to a safe harbor. And it will never work. All of our efforts, all of our rowing, when we try to do things in our own strength, in our own will, in our own way, is in vain. We've got to fully rely on God. Obey His commands. And then we will be able to go forward in life. So, the storm got even more violent. Therefore they cried to the Lord, We beseech you, O Lord. We beseech you, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not upon us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they took up Jonah, they cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men reverently and worshipfully feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So the minute, look at this, the minute that they got rid of the sin, if we say that Jonah represents the sin because he disobeyed the command of God, he was in sin. The minute that they got rid of the sin and repented and, and worshipped God, the sea calmed down. The minute that they got the junk out of their life, the weight which was so easily besetting them, as Paul wrote in Hebrews. The minute that they got rid of the sin, the minute that they got rid of the junk, the minute that they turned their eyes to the Lord and worshipped Him and feared Him and reverenced Him and honored Him, the sea immediately calmed. We've got to be willing to get rid of the junk and the sin and the weights which so easily beset us. Like Paul wrote in Hebrews 13, 1. He said, lay aside every weight and the sin that easily besets us and run with patience the race that's set before us. Am I quoting that right? Yes, I am. It starts out with the cloud of witnesses. That's what threw me off track for a second. We've got to be willing to lay aside the weight. Lay aside the junk. Now we know... From those of us who have heard this story before, Jonah isn't junk. But in this moment when he's in the boat, he represents sin. He represents disobedience from God's command. We will always have storms in our life if we are disobedient to God's commands. If we have storms in our life, I would encourage us to check our relationship with God. Are we truly following all of His commands? Are we in prayer? Are we reading our Bible? Are we worshiping Him? Are we doing the first things first? Are we fully obeying the Lord? Because we will never have peace in our boat unless we fully obey the Lord. I encourage you, to get peace in your boat. To lay aside the weight. To lay aside the good for God. Don't get caught up in good. But allow yourself to go forward obeying God. So, they begin to worship and praise God. 
because the sea had calmed and they knew who the one true living God was after that. Notice at the beginning of the story, everybody was calling on his own God. They were all calling on their own God and nothing was working and and it wasn't happening. Nothing was happening right. It was only when they got rid of the sin and called on the one living God that the sea was calm. We can look to all this other stuff in life to satisfy us. We can look to all this other stuff in life to make us happy. But the only one true thing that will bring peace, will bring satisfaction, will bring happiness, is worshiping, fearing, reverencing, praising, and having a personal relationship with God. That is the only thing that will bring peace to our storm. That's the only thing that will bring comfort in tribulation. But even in this, God didn't forget about Jonah. Even though Jonah was running as hard as he could, away from the plan of God, away from the commands of God, God didn't forget about Jonah. Because the last verse in that chapter says, Now the Lord had prepared and appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. And three nights. What a picture, excuse me, what a picture that is. I mean, there's so many things that we could compare that to, and we could get into how it's a type and a shadow of Jesus dying on the cross, and then he went into the, to hell and defeated death, hell in the grave, and then came back alive. But God knows how to get our attention. When we run and we disobey the commands of God, He knows how to get our attention. And many times it takes these great acts to get us to wake up and realize how far off the mark we've gotten. God didn't forget about Jonah. He had a plan for Jonah, even though he was running as hard as he could from God's plan. And God has a plan for us too. He had to get Jonah's attention though. And many times when we feel like we're in the belly of the whale and we feel like we're in the nasty muck and nasty part of life, it's because we've gotten off track from the commands of the Lord. It's because we aren't walking in full righteousness and obedience to Him. So Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Can you imagine that? Just get a picture. I know you won't be hungry after this, but just get a picture of that in your mind. I say that because I'm hungry right now. Brother Tony, he skint some fish in his life. He's filleted them up, cut them up, dug into them. He knows what the inside of those things look like. Can you imagine... Just for a moment, that you're thrown overboard. You think your life is over. You are sinking in the raging sea. And all of a sudden, a whale swallows you up. Opens his mouth and you go right in it. And then you are in the belly of that whale with all the nasty mess, all the fish goo, all the algae, all the food he ate that day. You in a bad situation. That's a rough time. 
That's definitely an attention-getting moment. And many times when we have disobedience in our life to God's commands, He brings these attention-getting moments where He is flashing big red lights saying, Stop! Turn! Repent! Stop! Turn! Repent! Wrong direction. Have you ever been listening to Siri? Or Google for that matter. Or any of those other GPS things. And they're talking to you. And you're going down the road and you think you're just fine. And all of a sudden it's like, turn around when possible. Turn around when possible. And the thing won't shut up. I mean, it just keeps barking at you. Turn around when possible. Make a U-turn. Turn around when possible. That's what God is doing here with Jonah with the belly of the whale. He's telling him, listen, you got to make a U-turn. You're going in the wrong direction. You don't need to be fleeing my commands. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your life. You need to come in line with my words and start walking on this path to victory. Many times when God asks us to do something, our first reaction is tuck tail and run because we don't have the confidence that we're able to do it. And you know what? You're not. (gasps) I know, right? Why? Because God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And when God tells you to do something, many of the times that He tells us to do something, it's going to require a little bit of stretching. And it's going to require God's grace, His ability, His power working in and through us to get the job done. If you don't feel like you can do what He's asked you to do on your own, that is great. You are a candidate for the grace of God to enable you and empower you to do it. If we could do everything on our own, we wouldn't need God. When He asks us to do something, don't tuck tail and run. Don't buy a one-way ticket in the opposite direction. Why? Because there are consequences from walking away from God's commands. There are clear consequences for walking away from God's directions. Let's look at Jonah chapter 2. So here's Jonah. Been swallowed by the fish. And his attention has been got. Verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And said, I cried out of my distress to the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I've been cast out of your presence in your sight. Yet I will look toward your holy temple. The waters compassed me and surrounded me, even to the extinction of my life. The abyss surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. He had a headband you didn't quite want. I went down to the bottoms and the very roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet 
You have brought up my life from the pit and corruption, O Lord my God. Jonah realized the salvation of the Lord. And he realized that he had to turn his life around. He had a life-changing moment. Those attention-getting moments where we have the opportunity to keep going against God or obedience to God, those are the moments where real change in our life occur. He realized what he had done. He realized that he didn't want to run from God anymore. He said, You brought up my life from the pit of corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted upon me, crushing me, I earnestly and seriously remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. What's he doing right here? He's repenting. He's realizing, hey, I messed this up big time. I should not have run from the Lord. And so he's asking God to forgive him. Those who pay regard to false, useless, and worthless idols forsake their own source of mercy and loving kindness. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I vowed. Salvation and deliverance belong to the Lord. And and then the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah up on dry land. We'll get to that in a minute. But here he is in the belly of the whale. He has hit rock bottom. Notice what he did. He repented and began to worship. He repented and began to worship. We talked for the last three weeks about worship and how it's so important. When we are in times of crisis, where we are in times where we realize, hey, I messed this up, we need to repent and we need to worship. That's what the fishermen did when they threw Jonah overboard. They repented and then they worshiped and the sea calmed. And Jonah repented and worshiped and then the Lord had the fish vomit Jonah out on dry land. Repentance and worship are the keys to going forward with God. Repentance and worship are the keys to living to make God look good. Jonah realized he had hit rock bottom. And even when everything looked bad and he was in the belly of that fish, he praised God. He realized that he didn't want to do life anymore without being in the will of God. God is looking for us to realize that we don't want to do life anymore on our own, in our own strength, in our own way. He's looking for us to realize that God has a better way. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and His ways are higher than our ways. If you feel like you've got to struggle all the time to make living for God happen... I would, I would suggest to you that perhaps you're not doing it in the will of God. You're trying to do it in your own flesh. We've got to fully trust and relax in God's presence and in His will. And quit trying to force things to be how we want them to be. So here comes Jonah. The fish comes up to the land spews him out. Ooh, Lord, what deliverance. Sometimes deliverance doesn't look pretty, you know. 
And again, there are consequences for our actions. When we run from the plan of God, sometimes we're going to have to deal with a little fish puke. Yeah, I said it on Sunday morning. Why? Because we have consequences for when we disobey God's commands. But God made a way for Jonah to get back to his plan for his life. So here's Jonah at the beginning of chapter 3. Seaweed still wrapped around his head up on the beach. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach and cry out to it the preaching that I tell you. So notice that God's word didn't change. From the first time to the second time, God's command, His word didn't change. God didn't say, Well, Jonah, I know you really didn't like that plan that much, so I'm going to make it a little bit more comfortable for you, and I'm going to change it up a little, because you know I like to just keep you on your toes. God's word didn't change from the first time to the second time. It remained the same. Why? Because God's word will not return void. If he spoke it, he meant it. And he doesn't change his mind. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the word came to Jonah the second time. And God gave him a second opportunity to obey the first command. Think of all the heartache, all of the mess that Jonah could have saved if he would have obeyed the first time. It's just like those of you with children. You have to train them up in the way that they should go because they don't go on that way on their own. And so... When they tell, when you tell them to do something and they don't do it, what happens? You get consequences. Isn't that right, kiddos? Your mom, dad tells you to do something. Go clean your room. And you're in there playing, throwing stuff around, beating down the walls. What happens? You get consequences. Why? Because you were disobedient. So Jonah went through disobedience and consequences, and now we are two chapters later in the Bible, and the word came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach and cry out to the preaching that I tell you. The word didn't change. The command didn't change. Jonah just had a second opportunity to be obedient. And when we go through the storms of life, and we cry out to God and we repent, and we line ourselves back up with God's commands. The command remains the same. Go to Nineveh. Preach the word. Preach what I tell you. But this time, Jonah's reaction was different. Look at what he did. So Jonah arose. He got up and went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord. So this time, Jonah, listen, Jonah said, I'm not ready for no whale belly again. This time, I'm doing what God said to do. It's like the children of Israel. When they were wandering around in the wilderness, they had come up to the promised land the first time, and the spies went to go check out the land, and they came back and only two gave a good report. Everybody else said, it's everything God said. But we look like grasshoppers. These people are giants. We can't do this. 
And Joshua and Caleb said, it's everything God said and he will give us power to go do it. It's all about your attitude towards the situation. And because of the children of Israel saying, we can't do this, we can't do what God says we do, even though they said it's everything God said it would be. Their butt got in the way. They felt that they were unable to do His command. And they ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. They ended up wandering around in the wilderness, rounding the same mountain for 40 years. Because they weren't ready to obey God's command. They weren't ready to go possess the land. They weren't ready to do what God had told them to do. And their consequence was they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years, rounding the same mountain. Can you imagine that? Walking around in circles in the desert. Why? Because they didn't believe God. They didn't trust Him. They didn't fully commit to doing the will of God. They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And when they came back to the promised land, it was the same deal. The same people were there. Those people that they thought were giants, the same people were there. But you know what? They had a different mindset this time. Why? Because all the people who did not believe weren't allowed to go into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb, the ones who said, it's everything that God said, and we can do this. In fact, when they got there, Caleb, I mean, it had been 40 years later. He stood up and he said, I remember the day when I saw this. I'm paraphrasing, this is my version of the Bible this morning. He's like, I remember the day that I saw this land, and I've got the same strength on the inside of me that I did 40 years ago. Now you give me this mountain and I'm going to go get it. And Joshua said, go. Sick them. We need to have that attitude towards the will of God. That when God tells us to go do something, we say, give me this mountain. Not, it's everything God said, but I feel like a grasshopper. I feel insignificant. I don't think I can do this. I don't feel like I'm really called to do this at this time. You know, there used to be a thing back in the day where people would, and I've heard some people say this even today, that's not my anointing. That's not my my anointing. I say that about housework, but you know, I can still do it. If God said it, He's anointed and given you the power to do it. What does anointing mean? To Get infused with power, to rub on, to infuse with power, to infuse with ability. God will give you the ability to do what He's asked you to do. He's never going to ask you to do a command that you don't have the power through Him to do. Why? Because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not through our own flesh. It's not through our own self. It's through Christ who gives us strength, who infuses our inner being with strength. So this time Jonah arose and went. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city of three days journey, 60 miles in circumference. So 
Three days journey. Look at the next part. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. So he was making time. He was making tracks. He was running to the will of God. Dad used to say when he read the story, Nike didn't have nothing on him. He was making tracks. He was obeying and swiftly running to the will of God. When God tells us to do something, that should be our reaction. We should swiftly run to the will of God and to obey His commands. So he cried, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So here he is preaching and proclaiming the will of God. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth in pennant mourning and from the greatest of them even to the least of them. So they heard the word that Jonah said, Repent or be destroyed. And what did they choose? They chose to repent. They proclaimed a fast. For the word came to the king of Nineveh of all that had happened to Jonah and his terrifying message from God. And he arose from his throne. He laid his robe aside, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he made a proclamation and published it through Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles. Neither let men or beasts, herd or flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth and let them cry mightily for, to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. So notice what happened. One man came to this big city that's 60 miles in circumference. I mean, this city's huge. One man came to the city and started telling people, repent or perish. In 40 days, if you haven't repented, the judgment of God is coming upon this city and it will be destroyed. One man came to the city of Nineveh and completely changed the entire atmosphere of the city. I know that we have a lot of dark days talked through in the end times and in the times that we're living in. But Josh and I were talking about it this week. And if we as a nation will repent, and we were talking about, uh, he was talking about how um, how the leaders follow the will of the people. And if we have wicked people, we have wicked leaders. If our nation will repent and come back to God, then it can be like in these days where the entire na- the entire city of Nineveh repented. The king came off of his throne and said, we are going to serve God. We are fasting as a nation. This will not happen. We will not be destroyed. We will worship and follow God. Repent now. Before then, the leader had been wicked. The whole city was so wicked that God was ready to destroy it. But because one man rose up and followed the will of God wholly and completely, the city was saved. What if we, as a family here at Life Church, wholly, totally followed the will of God, completely followed His commands? What could we do in this city? And then what would that effect have? on the cities and, and states and, and nations beyond. We must get in line with God's commands. I've seen it over and over in life 
where revival sparked because one person got real with God. I've seen it happen several times. One person gets real with God. Next thing you know, revival blows up everywhere. The last great revival has yet to happen. Perhaps it's going to take us realizing that we are in a belly of the well moment. And what we choose to do when the man of God comes is going to make the difference between revival or judgment. What we do matters. What we do is important. Yes, let everyone turn away from evil. Who can tell? God may turn and revoke his sentence against us when we have met his terms and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And so God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God revoked his sentence of evil and did not do it. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek and crave and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their land. God is looking for us to fully get in line with His command. God is looking for us to dig in deep and fully follow the Lord. And we're going to see next week that Jonah didn't quite have it all figured out even after that. But look at the healing that came to the people of Nineveh. Their entire kingdom was saved because one man got in line with God's commands. What could we do if we got in line with the commands of God? Let's stand. God, thank you for letting us be here this morning. God, help us to fully get in line with your commands. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 1004. That's P.O. Box 1004, Monticello, Arkansas, 71657. Or you can email us at lci.monticello at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also check out our website. It's www.getlife.co. That's www.getlife.co. There you can find Pastor Kelly and Pastor Josh's sermon notes, and you can see what's going on all through the week at Life Church. We would love to have you in one of our services with us. Join us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for our worship service. Pastor Kelly ministers, and it's a great time in the presence of God. Or you can join us for Digging Deep on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pastor Josh digs into the Word of God, connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament and giving us a fresh biblical perspective from God's point of view. We hope that you have a great week this week. Remember, go live to make God look good. God bless you till we're with you again.